listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 248. How's it going, Mark? Allergies. Oh, man. Like literally every single thing that can be high is high. Yes, yeah, so the audience, if you're not in the Houston area, thank God. Or just Texas. <laughs> or Texas. South Texas for sure. We're unfortunate in that we have every major allergen going off at the same time. So mold, pollen, ragweed, ragweed grass, everything. So yeah. if you have allergies, this is not a great time. But you know what it is a great time for, Paige? Getting into the holiday mood and taking care of your employees and your best customers. Oh. And what if you could do that and write it off on your taxes? What you got for me, Mark? How about the Oil & Gatsby Charity Christmas Ball that we're doing in conjunction with Social Octane? That's right. All the money that's raised is going to the Orphan Well Project. You will get slipped right off your taxes. This could be the premier event for this year. We're going to have an FR clothing runway show, a swing jazz band, a whiskey room, a champagne room, cigar lounge, food, beverages, blackjack tables, crap tables. And like I said, all the money is going to charity. And we get to do that whole 2030s theme, which is going to be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. And some of our OGN people are actually going to be walking the runway. Yeah, that's going to be cool. That's pretty really exciting. Cool. Yeah. So you heard me talk about this earlier. I was selling 20 tickets for $10,000. We're Paige, guess what? What? Now we're going to cut everybody a deal. Oh? Yeah. So instead of $10,000, it's $5,000 for 10 tickets. Don't do too much math there or you'll figure out that I'm not really giving you a deal. But it sounds great, <laughs> right? So $5,000, get you 10 tickets, bring your top customers, bring your best employees, bring your whole company, reach out to me directly. At the same time, we'll put a link in the show notes. If you just want to buy one ticket, by all means, you go and buy one ticket. Yeah, I know a couple of people that would probably want one. Yeah. And so it's, it is going to be one heck of an event. If you go, hit me up on Twitter beforehand. I'll come find you, introduce myself. It's going to be a blast, so sign up. But guess what else is going on, Paige? What? Our industry mixer here in Houston on November 17th. Usually they're last Thursday of each month. And I'm sorry, audience, we, we actually had quite a few people reach out and want to know where this one was last Thursday. The holidays have kind of messed everything up. So just pay attention to our social. Once we get through this year, we'll go back to last Thursday of every month, which is always our intention, but we can't always get things to line up just well, right. Well, I mean, you know, Thanksgiving is probably, you know, always the last Thursday of November. So I don't think anybody's going to show up for Thanksgiving. So we're not going to do one on Thanksgiving, but I bet if we did, some people would show up. We're well, willing to bet. Maybe like three. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got something else new. What now? OGGM's live stream called Unscripted. OGG and Unscripted. It's going to be a handful of us literally talking about what's going on in the oil and gas industry from a business side, but no filters. We're going to tell you the truth. We may get a little riled up on stuff, but it should be a blast. So check us out November 16th. Once again, just pay attention to our social. And we have more. What's that? We're going to be at the Rockwell Automation Fair November 10th to 11th doing panels and live podcasts. And then... The 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. Yep, and I'll be at that for sure. Yeah, so we're out and about. Come find us. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter if you go to any of these events. But before you do that, let's do something really cool. We got a review. Yeah, so it's a five-star review. It says, I love the podcast. Just started listening, and I'm already a huge fan from Hill 5555 Yeah, so if you want to be like Hill 5555 leave us a review. See, this all it took, just a couple minutes, a few words, and it made our day, didn't it? Yeah, it did. All right, let's get the news stories. All right, first article, Exxon, Chevron, Target, billions and share buybacks as cash flow surges. This almost makes you want to cry for joy. 
<laughs> kind of made that bubble up in my voice, but it really does make me happy. Exxon and Chevron, and most of the super majors are killing it right now. We have a huge global demand. There's a not enough supply. They're making money. And the good thing is they're able to take this money that wasn't expected and actually buy shares back, which then benefits shareholders. And they're also going to be able to take some of this money and put it to exploration and production, which we're sorely behind. Yeah. But, you know, both of them pay dividends. Both of them have kept paying dividends even through all the stuff we've been through the last couple of years. This record cash flow is the counterpart to all the super deep budget cuts they made in the last four or five years, all the layoffs and everything. So the tide has turned and it's awesome. Now, they're both being conservative on what they're spending their budget on, which they should be. Right. And they're also looking at making sure they're profitable and everything. And Paige, if we can do that as an industry, these wild swings that we have, especially in upstream, not counting pandemics, will be mitigated. If you're always making sure that you're making a dollar, then you're not going to have these future predictions where you staff up and you dump a bunch of money into drilling that's not profitable because you know you're not making a dollar. So this is really cool. They're showing some capital restraint here. And then with the natural gas prices going up around the world right now, and literally today, we're out of natural gas. It doesn't mean that you're not going to turn on your gas stove and you're not going to have natural gas, but there's no oversupply. And that trend's going to get worse as we enter the winter. So I fully expect that these huge dividends that they're making and all this cash flow is going to continue, which is to allow them to buy back more shares and actually pay down more of their debt, which is good for the employees at Chevron. It's good for their shareholders and it's good for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the next one is U.S. lawmakers pressure oil companies to quit trade groups over climate policies. Okay. Damn it, people. Really? So this is basically a bunch of lawmakers in in our Congress letting the super majors, ExxonMobil, Chevron, Royal, Dutch Shell, BP, saying, hey, you need to quit the API. Now, I'm the director of public relations for the API Houston chapter. I will first admit that we have a lot of room for improvement and a lot of the stuff we do, but you do not tell. Members of Congress have no right to even think about telling companies where they need to spend their money or what organizations they need to join. And what makes this so freaking ironic is every one of these lawmakers have lobby groups they support. They're telling Exxon they can't support a lobby group page? That is asinine. Yeah. So, you know, this whole thing is all around the climate bill and what's going on with our current administration. And the government is trying to pressure private enterprise, trying to pressure public companies to bend to their their will. And unfortunately, as an industry, I think we've done enough of that. I think it's time for us to stop bending. I think it's time for us backing away from the line. I think it's time for us to toe up and say no. And you know what happened, Paige? What? That's what they did. Good. Yeah. So like I said, API has a lot of room for improvement. A lot of the organizations, oil and gas organizations have room for improvement as far as catching up. But I just think it's incredible that they towed the line and, and they told Congress, no, we're, we're going to spend our money where we want to spend our money. So let's keep an eye on this. This is going definitely going down the dark rabbit hole from a political well, point of view. Well, what really pisses me off is in this article, it says they are obviously lying like the tobacco executives were. And I remember we talked about this because someone else pointed out an article about it. But no, this is not like the tobacco. It's not the same thing. Exactly. Not even close to the no, same thing. And even to try to connect those, I mean, this literally is to get into the legal definition of defamation. So I'm glad that Shell and Exxon and Chevron towed the line. I'm glad they told them no. But our government or any government does not need to be telling private enterprise which lobby groups, which organizations they can join or not join. Yeah. Didn't Total pull out though? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, that's the French super major. And they pulled out over API's skepticism over man's contribution to climate change. Gotcha. Something yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. share with the API for totally different reasons. <laughs> but this is utterly ridiculous. And you know what, Paige? 
this is something that actually a, a lot of the people I've been talking to on both sides of the fence, both people that support our industry and the people that don't support our industry on both sides say this has gone too far. So it's kind of nice to see people that even though always see eye to eye with us saying this is there, our federal government has no no place to be doing this sort of thing. Right. We right. got next. Al Gore, time to say goodbye to coal and oil and gas worldwide. Yeah. Right. Talking from the guy that, quote unquote, invented the Internet. Well, if he did invent the internet, he kind of messed up because if I remember correctly, in 2009, he said that all the Arctic ice will be gone by 2013. Oh, that was that was that was eight years ago or almost nine years ago. Pretty sure Antarctica is still the Arctic ice is still there. So the fact that Al Gore likes to stick his nose into stuff he knows nothing about, Hmm. while he has the carbon footprint of an entire metropolitan city by himself, right, is utterly ridiculous now here's something else he also saying we need to get rid of coal oil and natural gas worldwide and then he says that the government should step in and demand that the wealthy nations contribute money to the underdeveloped nations so they can build their own renewable energy systems so you know al gore you have enough money why don't you go do that why don't you literally take the money that you've made from the movies and the books that you've done that have misrepresented not only climate change, but the oil and gas industry and the American people as a whole? And why don't you go out there and spend that money in underprivileged countries instead of asking the American people to do this sort of thing? No this kidding. guy really gets on my nerves, right? Well, he, he has. He's always gotten on my nerves, but that's neither here nor there. Well, you know, this is what happens. And if you know, if I was on that side of the fence. I wouldn't want him talking either because what he's doing, he's contributing to this whole greenwashing thing where people say anything and everything and it doesn't come true. Right. You know, was it you that sent me the article that back in time, the Arctic was covered with forest and actually had massive forest fires? I don't Somebody think that, that was me. That's a legitimate part of our history. You know, there are times, actually, if, if you know the history of the polar ice caps, most of Earth's history, we have not had polar ice caps. The normal is not to have them. And I'm not going too deep down that rabbit hole, but the fact that there's true climate change and that scientists can measure it and talk about it, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you don't need people like Al Gore greenwashing everything. So then people don't believe anything that you have to say. So the fact that he said that the polar ice caps would be gone by 2013, let's say there was an issue with that. Well, now people aren't going to pay attention because he's basically cried wolf too many times. So yeah, definitely. Just, he's, wolf. he's not good for anybody. Just, just go away. Yeah. I mean, he just needs to hush. Anyway, speaking of politics, U.S. House Democrats to subpoena big oil in climate deception probe. Okay, I watched some of this, and it is embarrassing as an American. Literally, we have congressmen treating the heads of these companies like they're criminals and demanding that they do things. There was a demand on Mike Worth, the CEO of Chevron, to write a check for something like $80 billion to the impact he's made to emerging economies because of climate change. And that is like really ridiculous. And they had that one guy, who was the guy that we saw that was a member of that panel that stood up and apologized to the oil and gas. Oh man. Oh, I can't think of his name. So you had one person, one person that was part of his panel that themselves couldn't stand what his peers were doing. And so literally said, I apologize the way you're treated. You have a right to run your business as you see fit. You have a right to invest your money as you see fit. You have been dealing with large CapEx energy projects way longer than the U.S. government has and much better than the U.S. government. So I apologize. And we, if we got to get this guy's name, I want to throw it in the show notes. If anybody uh, can a, think of that, reach out, please. I'll look for it. Short but. video. It was wonderfully done. But once again, you know, the U.S. political system right now is witch hunting the oil and gas industry. And it just needs to stop. And I'm telling you something. 
Next year, or in the next six or eight months, we're getting ready to hit a global energy shortage like the world has never seen. And I think it's going to be a chance for us to stop some of this because it's great to talk about how the oil and gas industry might be harming the environment when your electricity bill, you can pay it and you can keep your house cool and heated, keep your refrigerator running. When when you no longer can afford to do that, which is going to happen relatively soon, I think people are going to stop and reevaluate where they stand on this sort of stuff. And as an industry, it's going to be our chance to actually turn this tide. You'll see this in my predictions in a couple of weeks. But you know, once again, here's the U.S. government subpoenaing the heads of major oil companies and grilling them in public on climate change, and this is just absurd. So you know, let's let's hope that this trend, or let's hope this does not become a trend. This is just a one-off case. All right. So the next article is Shell CEO defends strategy against low bid to split company. Yeah. So just like what happened with engine number one and ExxonMobil, here's a company that grabs some share and some seats on the board of Shell. And what they want to do is split Shell up into two different companies. Mm-hmm. One that's basically the hydrocarbon company. So the one that does exploration, production, refining, LNG. And they want to push that away and then take everything else that Shell is doing. And they think that's the part of the company that's going to grow. Let me tell you what's going to happen if y'all do that. The part that you're taking with you, so the renewable side that Shell is just starting to dip its fingers into, will go out of business. It cannot be funded without the rest of Shell, right? Right. And you're yeah. looking at this the complete wrong. Even if you don't agree with me one bit, if you look at it from a financial point of view, you want to keep that part of Shell up and running because they're growing. They're making more and more investments in renewables. They're doing some actually incredibly smart stuff out there. But all that money's coming from the profits they make from hydrocarbons. And I'm telling you, if you split this company in two, you're going to kill the renewable business. And you want to guess what's going to happen to the hydrocarbon part of Shell? Mm-hmm. It's going to blow up in growth because they're not being <laughs> slowed down by the renewable side. Right. So this is just really a mess. And unfortunately, Paige, if you would have told me this two or three years ago, I go, you're crazy. There's no way it's going to happen. This may actually happen because the laws are different in in the Netherlands and because the government has some say-so in what Shell does. You know, this could actually be in the realm of possibilities. So let's see what happens. You know, third point stake in Shell is much smaller than BlackRock's was in Exxon, but still there's a potential that actually will happen. So really want to keep our eye on this because if this does happen, you have effectively removed a super major. Yeah. Which I'm telling you right now, BP and Chevron and Exxon would not be too sad if you basically removed one of their competitors. So I hope it doesn't happen. I hope for the employees of Shell it doesn't happen. We'll keep an eye on this. All right. Endress and Hauser invest in Modern Campus. We love them. Yeah. They're one of our sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. And they're actually a big partner with Vector Controls and Automation which is the chili cook-off people, which we'll be going to pretty soon, and also where our DJ Hyro works. Oh, it's yeah. Vector, right? So our this audio is, master, our not audio DJ. Master. So <laughs> it's just funny this news article popped up when it has so much in common with us. But basically, Anderson Hauser has built the largest training center in the world around automation. This training center is equipped with all types of calibration, temperature, pressure measurements, instruments, and all this stuff you can actually – touch and feel and work with. Oh, they also have a complete service and repair shop there. So you can see how you service and repair all this instrumentation. They're leading the industry as far as gas analysis. And with this boom coming back with petrochemicals, they're sitting in a really pretty place. And our own Stephen Forrester went out there and did an article on this. I was going to say. Yeah. So stay tuned. Check out OGGN's Perspective, which is Stephen's blog, which he does some incredible writing there. He'll have a complete breakdown, a bunch of pictures going into what they're doing here. But the nice thing is, Paige, it's jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, hats off to Anderson Hauser to deciding to do this in Parallel, Texas. They could have done it anywhere in the world. And I can't wait to actually go out and be able to go tour this. Yeah. 
All right, so the next article is Lindy starts up hydrogen facility. Right here in Texas. So when they get this thing up and running, they're going to do about 1.5 billion cubic feet a day of hydrogen. Now, that sounds like a lot. If you want it to supply New York City with fuel with hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So get rid of all the other type of fuels. Get rid of electricity, natural gas, steam, everything. And just want to supply New York with fuels from hydrogen. They need 13 billion cubic feet a day. So this plant's going to make 1.5 billion cubic feet a day. Wow. That gives you a sense of perspective, right? But it's a start in the right direction. I'm a big believer in hydrogen. It has some really cool properties. An interesting thing that our audience may not know is literally every day we have between 10 and 50 people reach out to us and say, hey, can you do a podcast on oil and gas finance or oil and gas pipelines or through tubing services? And we keep track of the top 20. I have a list, actually, I keep track of because we know there's a demand there, an audience waiting there. And it's one of the ways we come up with how we develop new podcasts. Well, in 2019, hydrogen wasn't even on the list. 2020, hydrogen showed up at the bottom of the list. Paige, you want to guess what our number one most requested new show is in 2021? I'm assuming it's hydrogen. Hydrogen. That's how quickly <laughs> the interest in oil, the oil and gas industry has blossomed around hydrogen. Lots of benefits to this, but I just think it's really cool. Now, the other thing that's really cool about this is this facility is not being subsidized by anybody, not by the federal government, the state government, local. It's actually pure profit. They're working with Philip 66, who has the demand for this hydrogen. So it's just really cool that we're adding more hydrogen capacity to the Gulf Coast. I'm really interested in the combination of hydrogen manufacturing that the market could bear and fuel cells. I love electric cars. The problem with electric cars is the battery. And at some point, there will be a breakthrough in battery technology, but it won't be monumental because of physics. However, if you power electric car with a fuel cell, that's a totally different world. Hmm. You can fill up that car like you do with gasoline. It's not way quicker than recharging a vehicle. You're not tearing up the planet by trying to find all these rare minerals and metals that you need to build the batteries. And then the exhaust is water. Hmm. Pure drinkable water is what comes out of a fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell, right? So a lot of promise here, a lot of hope. I think this is really cool. I want to see more of this sort of stuff. You know, every now and then somebody will give me grief about being not supporting the renewables. And I 100% support renewables like what's happening right here, where the market can bear it, where it makes sense, where we're not spending our taxpayer dollars. sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So this is awesome. I wish them much success. I hope they blow this thing up. Actually, I probably shouldn't say it that way. (laughs) I wish them much success. I hope they're super successful with this. (laughs) Pun accidentally. Accidentally. (laughs) ExxonMobil plans to increase carbon capture at LaBarge facility. So I've talked before about why the oil and gas industry likes carbon capture. It's very simple. The end result is you now have carbon dioxide that you didn't pay for, which you can use for well stimulation. But this is really cool on a different scale from a public relations point of view. So you have, you know, ExxonMobil gets the most heat from the anti-oil and gas people. ExxonMobil's honestly struggling right now. They're in a world and not quite sure what to do with it. There used to be people would super excited to go work at ExxonMobil. Now, young people especially don't want to go work there. They're having a pretty big attrition going on right now. The way their ability to operate other around the world and, and find reserves and drill has been re- diminished because of the environmental regulations and nationalized oil company. But here's one of the things that Exxon does very well, and they're doing it right here with this carbon capture. They're actually building the facility and it works. This isn't theory. This isn't a bunch of people in Congress talking about academia and what a pie in the sky type of stuff. ExxonMobil said, let's go get some tools. Let's go build this damn thing. Let's bring them along. And they are. So this is part of their low carbon solutions this is a $400 million investment, which doesn't sound like a lot, but what they're doing is they're expanding an existing facility. So a lot of people don't know this. 
That facility in LaBarge currently captures 20% of all the CO2 captured in the world. Oh. All of it, right? That's amazing. So, and they're getting ready to double that. Wow. So, okay. proof's in the pudding. You know, people out there that are talking about man's impact to their environment, what have you built? What have you, show me what you built. Literally, here's ExxonMobil with 20% of all the CO2 captured in the world, and they're getting ready to do more. So hats off to them. This is, you know, once again, it's prosperity. This is jobs. It's interesting to see ExxonMobil, you know, basically throw this much budget at it. And, and I know why they're doing it. It makes total fiscal sense to me. Now, the bad thing, page is, of course, the people that don't like our industry are saying this is all a farce and it's for public relations. You don't spend $400 million for yeah. public relations. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? So, you know, hats off to Exxon to actually, instead of talking about it, doing it. Okay. So from paints to plastics, a chemical storage ignites prices. So the world's run out of petrochemicals, and it's interesting some of the stuff it's affecting. Here's my favorite one. It's hard to get cornflakes right now. You know why it's hard to get cornflakes? I wouldn't know why because I don't eat cornflakes, but go ahead. <laughs> the plastic bag that's in the box <gasps> is made from petrochemicals and they can't get enough of it. No kidding. Yeah. So literally, if you can't buy cornflakes, it's because of the shortage of petrochemicals. Guess and what else it's affecting? What? House painting business. You want to guess oh, where house paints come from? Petro petrochemicals. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so the people out there are painting houses or, or their the raw cost of their paint has doubled and they expect it to actually triple. So this is amazing. The other thing, you want to guess where it's adding costs that normally you would never think of? Hmm. Veterinarians. Really? Yep. 85% of everything in a veterinary's office that they use to treat your pet is made from petrochemicals. And there's a shortage of petrochemicals. They can totally noted. Yeah. So it's just, it's funny how these shortages, these supply chain shortages, especially around petrochemicals, when it finally materializes into your actual life, it materializes in a way you never would have thought of, like the lack of cornflakes. You know? And honestly, people, this isn't going to change anytime soon. This could get worse before it gets better. We had this like the perfect... You know, literally, literally the perfect storm. So we had the unexpected freeze in Texas. Mm -hmm. We had the two hurricanes, which hit a couple of petrochemical plants, which, by the way, the U.S. produces most of the petrochemicals in the world, and most of that's done in the Gulf Coast. So right. anything that affects the Gulf Coast affects the world supply of petrochemicals. And then we're having our own politicians propose legislation, which could add cost to the petrochemical manufacturing. And petrochemicals are made from crude oil and natural gas, which I just told you we're out of natural gas. So this would get worse before it gets better. But it's just, it's even to me, it's interesting to find out that you can't get cornflakes because of the shortage of petrochemicals. Yeah, that's interesting. Definitely interesting. All right. So last article, BP wins over Greenpeace in the North Sea oil court case. Take that green piece. And I, literally, <laughs> I literally mean take that green piece, which by the way, Paige, you know, I've, you've known me for a long time and I've said this on the show many times. I would love for somebody to show me the bill, the amount of money Greenpeace spends on fueling its fleet from hydrocarbons. Right. right? Somebody reached out to me. <gasps> no, yep. that's awesome. And they don't know if they can get me the total number, but they can get me the number just in Europe. So if I get that that's number, something. yep. if I get that something. number, audience, you will be the second people to hear about it. I can't wait to talk about how much money Greenpeace spends with the oil and gas industry. Anyway, I think this was awesome. So what happened is Greenpeace basically said that BP's next field that BP was getting ready to start producing at was going to affect the global environment. And so they took them to court so that BP couldn't make climate change worse. And BP's attorneys are super smart. And they came back and they go, okay, we haven't drilled yet. So you're saying that when we drill and go production, it's going to make the environment worse. Show me. Show oh. the court. Show and Greenpeace attorneys could not show the correlation between the production and selling of hydrocarbons and global warming. Booyah. Yeah. So this is a landmark case. <laughs> oh, they tried to void the 
license. Yep. Oh. This is a landmark case that will trickle down. Now, the courts in Europe are different than they are here. Right. But still, this is going to be something that's next time Greenpeace wants to take somebody to court like this, they're going to think twice about it, which is actually good for everybody. That's a great example. Except for maybe Greenpeace's attorneys. Yeah, really. Really. All right. So- Speaking of Greenpeace's attorney, the one place you will not find Greenpeace is at the Cannon. <laughs> That's our go-to place. That's where we do our happy hours. I'm sorry, I can't say happy hours anymore. It's where we do our industry mixers. I know, I keep saying happy hours. We, uh, we have office space there where we need it. And if you'd like to go check out the Cannon, all you do is walk up the front desk, say, hey, I'm with OGGN or listen to OGGN, and they will give you a free day pass. Won't even try to sell you anything. And then people, this IBM shirt's going away. You have, when's when's the last week? It's going to be we're getting at this end of this fiscal year. Okay, so it literally will give them away all the way to the last day of December, and then after that they're gone. Okay, right, so people, if you want one, you know the deal. Register, and if you don't win, register again. Register each week. You've been warned. Weekly rig count page. Where are we? Okay, let's look at that. We are so United States is at five fifty four, so we're up two. Canada is at one sixty six, also up two, and internationally. 787 and up 10. So it's all looking great. It's all looking awesome. Great. You know the deal. Go to Lincoln, search for OGG and just sign up for stuff. And then if you'd like to have a big shout out on our first Friday Q&A, which is never on the first Friday, <laughs> um, <laughs> either go to OGGN.com or OilandGasThisWeek.com. It's a place for you to ask a question. If you, we use your question on there, you will get a super, super shout out. And then if you'd like myself or any of our experts to come speak at your event, do a panel discussion, do a live podcast, reach out to me. Happy to share details. Ready to get out of here? Yeah. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Later. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.